0: Why exactly is Google making self-driving cars in the first place? All that and more on this tech edition of Industry Focus. Greetings, fools. Sean O'Reilly here in Alexandria, Virginia, at Fool Headquarters. It is April eighth, twenty sixteen, and joining me, my partner
1: in crime, the dynamic duo is back, Mister Dylan Lewis. Yeah, great to be back. Uh, I had some fun doing the show without you.
0: I I think I speak for all of our listeners right now when I say, great job on the April Fools' podcast. I'm glad you enjoyed um, it. Can you give us just a little
1: bit of uh, behind the scenes as to what went into that or anything before we? Yeah. So. <laughs> April Fools was Friday. Um, we had some of the content and some of the tech lined up for. And if you haven't seen it, listeners. Uh, you really. Spoiler alert, but you really need to listen yeah, to it. Yeah. <laughs> listen to the show and check out. If you just Google um, Motley Fools Rush In, the page will come up. Um, but in preparation for April Fools Day, I think I was up uh, till probably about 2 a.m. at the office. I slept at the office getting the content ready. Alon Moskowitz, who was on the show with me, And uh, who is just like so committed to the bit was up until. And he's been doing it for 10 years. Yeah. Which is, yeah, anyway. He was up till I think like six or seven in the morning getting everything together. Ruben Dalkey and um, Ron Southwick, our tech guys, were also up until seven in the morning or so. So big ups to them for making it happen. Uh, It landed with a lot of people. We got some really awesome responses from uh, listeners and readers. So it's always a treat. I am happy to say that we won't have to do it again for another, another year, another twelve months. But uh, if you have any good ideas for us, let us know because we are always interested in getting some pitches on that. That's right, folks. Email us at industryfocus at fool. dot com
0: with your April Fool's ideas.
1: Way to work in the email there. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I try. Thank you. Um, All right. So, Dylan, um, this is a self-driving car episode, but more specifically, it's actually the Google self-driving car episode. Mm -hmm. Um, We've talked about this a lot before. It's been the public nexus for, I mean, years now. Um, I've actually, uh, uh, gosh, I've probably known about the Google car's existence for, and you see all these videos on the news all the time of these things just scooting around Southern California. Um, Why do you think Google First started doing this because
1: they're a search engine. I mean, they they dabble in things, but they've really committed to this. Yeah, I mean, this is classic like Google chasing innovation. But where all this really started uh, was kind of in the mid 2000s. Uh, so the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, uh, commonly known as DARPA, um, which is like would work in DARPA there. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> the uh, research organization, or the most prominent one at least, uh, for the United States Department of Defense. Um, they held this grand challenge, and the idea was just to create these long-distance competitions for driverless cars. And, uh, you know, you had teams from some of the top engineering schools in the country, Stanford, uh, Carnegie Mellon, a couple others, uh, competing. Um, What ultimately happened was a lot of the people that were involved in those competitions on those university-led teams wound up going over to Google and becoming part of these projects. Uh, Namely, Sebastian Thurne, who was kind of like the leader and... I don't know foreman of the project for a while, and then Chris Ermsen, who is now the director of the project. At
0: the competitions that you're describing, do you think a guy with an eye patch came up and said, "I'd like to talk to you about the driverless cars initiative"? <laughs> yeah,
1: it's like, what can you do for me in about ten years? Because <laughs> I would really love to be able to drive around. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean that. That's one of the beauties of driverless car technology. Is it uh, gives mobility to a lot of people that otherwise probably wouldn't. That have That was it. an Avengers joke, by the way. Oh, it was. I uh, it did not way land with you at all. over my head. That, so, yeah, I, I thought we were, I I thought we were talking all. about. Uh, Getting people that might not be able to get licenses going. But no, no, no. That's yeah. what I get for not being pop, pop culturally oh, aware. God, that's, good.
0: that's right. You know what? I just realized I made a terrible mistake because I know you don't like superhero movies. So yeah. sorry. It's anyway. a good thing I don't do the CG show. Yeah, very good thing. Um, so you talked a lot about this in your South by Southwest preview, mm. um, and you actually you profiled the guy over Google that's doing this, Ermson. Chris Ermson, Yeah, yeah. Um, he a cool guy. I assume he's a pretty cool guy. Pretty cool guy. Yeah, down to earth. Um, you went there. You heard him talk. What were some of the biggest takeaways? Just as a rehash, because it's obviously pertinent to you know pertinent to what we're talking about today.
1: Yeah, we actually didn't have a chance to talk about the South by Southwest recap on the show. I did uh, South by Soundbites maybe like three weeks ago. Uh, which I like this on there. Bunch of <laughs> bunch of little interviews that I did at South by Southwest uh, centered on virtual reality. But I thought it'd be fun to kind of recap some of the stuff uh, on the driverless car side because that was obviously another major theme there. Um, so, Ermson talked about how the biggest challenge, you know, you talk about consumer attitudes, you talk about the regulatory environment. These are things people often cite as huge road bumps for them that they need to get over. But for him, it's still on the technical side, um, so that's the major issue, and that's where a lot of their resources are. So focused. he's not even thinking about that stuff. It's he's still he's thinking about it, and we can get into some things that signal that the regulatory thing is definitely on his mind. Mm-hmm. But um, I think in his eyes, he wants the product and what the cars are capable of to be perfect, and then once you know there, there's no possibility of something catastrophic approval happening. will be approval will be a foregone conclusion. Exactly. Um, so, more specifically, you know, he talked about how these cars are basically having to handle these infinite number of Literally infinite. situations, like- yeah. And so, um, you, know, you have a lot of machine learning going on, and you have cars learning from situations that other cars have run into. Um, so, it's not just this, like, I've been on the road for eight hours, I've learned eight hours amount. It's, I've learned from the entire fleet and what they're learning. Um, but it, that's still a challenge. It, it, it's, right. People don't always act rationally. You have these Irrational things happening on the road. I mean, we saw a screenshot of uh, a bunch of people playing Frogger with the Google cars. You know, like they yeah. see, people see the Google cars and they start acting out and just doing weird things to them. And so that's just like a whole nother wrench yeah. that they have to handle.
0: Did Google? This is just me being a, a Bond villain. Um, did Google ever think of like going to a town of like ten thousand people and being like, hey, um, if you outlaw. Regular cars. We'll give everybody a Google car, and then that would be a great test ground for the driverless cars. Because the biggest problem, uh, near as I can tell, with driverless cars
1: is non-driverless cars. Yeah. So did anything like that come up at all? Well, what they've done with a lot of their test sites, um, this is before they wound up going into major metropolitan areas, is um, kind of like these like abandoned naval bases and things like that. Like where and, this is going? And Good. so and so you know they have these urban setups where you know city roads and. They, have, they build fake towns? No, I mean, like oh, they, okay. they, took, yeah. they took over the closed-course areas. Yeah. yeah, got it. And so, you know, they would have engineers, like, walking around and having the cars interacting <laughs> with them. And that was the training ground for these cars. Uh, and now they've hit the point where they're able to roll out into these major metropolitan areas. So, uh, first off, it was Mountain View in Austin. Then, I think, uh, maybe Kirkland, within, the, Washington. within the last year, yeah. it was Kirkland, Washington. Um, and now, recently, they've announced uh, Phoenix, Arizona. And so... Um, One of the things that you'll notice, and this is another one of the challenges he talked about, was, so those four cities, they all offer kind of their different uh, advantages, disadvantages. Um, Mountain View and Austin, it makes sense that those were the first cities that they launched in, because That's where they are. Well, yeah, they're in Mountain View. And then Austin, in terms of engineering for a climate, relatively easy. You're not dealing with crazy road conditions. There's not going to be snow. There's not going to be a ton of rain, anything like that. Uh, Whereas Seattle, you'll get a ton of rain. Exactly. <laughs> like you move to Kirkland, Washington, it's much more representative of you know what you'll see all four seasons. Right. Um, and with mo- the most recent announcement that they're going to be in Phoenix, they talked about how they want to see how their components and all of their technology interacts with extreme heat and you know the idea of there being a lot of dust in the atmosphere, that kind of thing. So uh, they've been very tactical with the rollouts and the metropolitan areas that they want to test in, and um, I think that is in a lot of ways the kind of stress test. The technology and put it in a position where it can succeed, but they can also reach the challenges of uh, you know each relative climate. Got it. Okay. All right. uh, Before we move on, Dylan, I wanted to point out to our listeners that uh,
0: April Fool's, the Financial Literacy Month book giveaway that we're doing, is now over. So, sorry. I think we're announcing the winners sooner. Maybe they already did. Anyway. um, But the promotion at uh, podcast.fool.com, that is over. But at at any point, if you are interested in more Foolish stock ideas, just head over to focus.fool.com. For all of our listeners, there's a special offer of $129 for a full two-year subscription to the Motley Fool's Stock Advisor newsletter. Um, I think we get that for free. So I read it anyway, but anyway, uh, I highly recommend it, folks. Um, so, cost of technology. Um, we just got the release of a pro- would probably be driverless in a couple of years. Of you know, it's partially driverless now, but it's Tesla Model Three, mm-hmm. big announcement last week. Um, talking about costing 35, 40 grand. A Tesla Model S obviously costs you know eighty or ninety, upwards of you know low low six figures.
1: Um, how much does a Google car cost? Uh, I know. I would have loved to get a specific number on this. It didn't they add. don't look expensive. I mean, correct yeah. me. Yeah. Um, the idea here is, uh, and Ermson talked about this, there's nothing really crazy. There's no unobtainium in what is powering these cars. The components are relatively cheap components. It's the act of the research and development and all that that is adding cost to this project. Right. And so, once it's ready for mainstream consumers... It should be priced in a relatively accessible manner. Right. So, I mean, that's great news for you and me and the folks that would really benefit from it, like we talked about in the beginning of the show. You know, um, maybe people that are a little bit older and don't feel comfortable driving, people that are sick, things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you have to be really encouraged by that. Yeah. And I think that'll probably boost consumer demand for it.
0: Um, So. As, as I kind of alluded to just now, it, a lot of the technology is already here, especially over at Tesla HQ. I mean, uh, Dan Sparks had that one piece with the the driverless uh, you know the the capabilities. He owns a Tesla, and he he verbally told me over our Slack instant messaging system that um, I mean, he he actually said, "Yeah, I, did, I pretty much let it go ninety eight percent of the time."
1: Yeah, that article was what it was like. I rode sixty yeah. something miles in a Tesla uh, dri- driverless Driver, car, yeah. yeah, something like that.
0: And it's the very idea that it already came with the hardware and it just required like the software you know, in it and itself was crazy. But anyway, um, so it's already here with at least partially with Teslas. When
1: are we going to start seeing more from Google, uh, Google cars, driver's yeah, cars? Yeah, that's, that's the other thing consumers are really honed in on, right? You see estimates and some of them are like, oh, you yeah, know, like three years. Uh, some of them are like 20, 30 years. Um, and part of that is it depends on whether you're talking about initial introduction or mainstream adoption. Um, but Ermson also talked about the idea of this being kind of an incremental rollout, and much the same way that they have been strategic about their test cities, mm-hmm. um, it might be possible that the technology comes out in climates that are more conducive to the technology first. Is
0: it going to be how uh, a little bit like how uh, Google rolled out fiber? Do you remember they like you know? Let a city win, and it was like a big deal when, uh, who is it? Who won? Oklahoma or Kansas City won? Yeah. Uh, Just stuff like that. And I remember I was living in Grand Rapids, Michigan at the time, and there was talk of Grand Rapids winning, and it was like, oh, we got to win, and all this stuff. Um, Do you think they'll
1: do that sort of thing? I think it's more about uh, the technology interacting with the climate. Um, And obviously, this is something that could be totally shaped by regulation as well. So uh, as individual states are willing to. They need to do Florida next for some hurricanes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. as individual states are willing to outline um, specific regulation, especially as it pertains to cars without steering wheels and brake pedals, which is mm-hmm. you know, what Google's developing. Um, that'll kind of push innovation and the rollout. But I think more than anything, it's uh, it has the technology been proven out in the type of conditions that. This area has right? got it. Yeah. I noticed that they haven't
0: really flirted too much with snow because yeah. I noticed that there was no Buffalo,
1: New Yorks, Cleveland, Ohio, Chicago's in there. <laughs> I'm just waiting for them to come to the Northeast. I don't know if it'll ever happen. Game over. Yeah. Like there's no way. And I guess the the cities in the Northeast present kind of different challenges. You know, like right. the, like the the urban landscape for a lot of East Coast cities a little bit tougher.
0: Well, yeah. I mean the the streets are narrower. They were designed for horse and buggies. They're yeah, there's kind a, of hot,
1: Like, <laughs> There's a reason they haven't picked Boston yet. Yeah.
0: There is yeah. a firm reason. <laughs> um it's really hard to get a driverless car to, to drive on cobblestone. We don't know why. Yeah. Um so everybody's question obviously is what are Google's plans? Because correct me if I'm wrong, Apple's been more forthcoming with their plans. They're like, yeah, we're totally gonna sell a car and it's probably gonna be coming out twenty nineteen. Google has what like, what what are their plans?
1: Yeah, so the party line for a long time with Google has been we don't want to make cars. Um, instead, they seem like they're focused on being the platform player, partnering with the automotive industry incumbents and leveraging the expertise that each of them have. So, you know, Google will bring this excellent system and technology. Uh, the automotive companies will bring all of the manufacturing infrastructure and know-how there. They'll this is kind it of like to- a
0: Microsofty PC relationship.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, I, I, that's kind of a good way to think about it. Yeah, um, and. You know, in the lead up to CES, we thought we were going to get that uh, that announcement. You know, that we've been waiting for. You know, like a couple different outlets had reported that Ford was going to announce uh, their partnership with Google mm-hmm. uh, at the trade show, and uh, details were kind of scarce. But we knew it was like going to be something that was non exclusive, and um, yeah, like I said, it was going to be Ford has access to the tech side, um, Google would be leveraging their manufacturing know how, um, kind of a win win there. And I think that while that didn't happen. Um, that is probably still the way we're going to see this play out. Just because, uh, you know, Sergey Brin has said things in the past that have made it clear they don't want to be making cars. Ermson said it again at South by Southwest. Uh, despite the fact that this deal fell through, uh, you look at the advantages, they're pretty clear. Um, you know, Ford gets access to this really great technology that they might struggle to develop in house. Um, Google doesn't have to spend billions of dollars like setting up all they, the infrastructure yeah. to develop these cars and manufacture them. Um, you know, because like they don't want to be making, auto, right. they don't want to be setting up automotive plants. And, um, you know, the tech and systems side of business is much more in line with what Google does. Right. And that's where their margin profile kind of sits. You know, it's like they're not a hardware manufacturer right. and they're not a car manufacturer. I really
0: wonder. If what I posited is true, that it's going to be kind of like a Microsoft-y PC kind of relationship, and Google's just spreading the the technology and the software, I wonder what that's worth. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, it's it's tough to ballpark, but uh, we'll see it play out. Cool. Thanks for your thoughts, Dylan. Always a pleasure, Have a good weekend. Yep. If you're a loyal listener and have questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. Just email us once again at industryfocus@fool.com. Again, that is industryfocus@fool.com. As always, people on this program may have interests in the stocks that they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against those stocks, so don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear on this program. For Dylan Lewis, I'm Sean O'Reilly. Thanks for listening, and Fool on!